Well, good morning. Let me welcome you to Crossroads. And this last couple of weekends of July, we were just talking just a moment, school's about to begin, a lot of people traveling. So we want to welcome those who are joining us online. That's Facebook Live. Uh, again, if you're watching on Facebook Live, don't just watch us. Take a moment and share this from our Facebook page to your Facebook page because not only does it multiply the people who see it today or see the service today, they'll also be able to see it if they look at your page throughout the week. So we welcome you and we're thankful that you're here. It is hard to believe that school's about to start as hot as it is. You know, when I went to school back in the day, uh, that was one of those things that didn't happen until after Labor Day. Does anybody miss that? Uh, you know, I kind of stopped at uh, Memorial Day and started back at Labor Day. I, I kind of miss those days. But again, I know we get the weeks off during, you know, November or during October and during uh, spring break. But again, I kind of like the way it used to be. Uh, let me let me just say that today is week four of our what we call summer at Crossroads. And, and I'm going to I'm going to kind of start something a little different today. And I've kind of done this before. So I, I, it's not going to be something that you're totally not accustomed to. But I'm going to make some statements and I want you to fill in the last word, and we're going to see how good you are at this. Because uh, there was a pretty good crowd at the 830 service. I guess everybody came early because they wanted to go to the lake and do different things. But they did pretty good at this, but I want to see how good you do at this this morning. Here, here, here are the statements. Here's the first one. Uh, again, fill in the last word and say it out loud. I'm at the end of my... Oh, good. I feel like I'm coming... Glued. That was good. That, they, they totally botched that one in the 830 service. My life is falling. That's good. I'm at my wits. I am so stressed. Sometimes in that Nashville traffic, I feel road. Yeah, really good. Uh, these are angry people here, I'm telling you. <laughs> I exploded. Yeah, I, I, I got you, I exploded today and lost my temper. Cool. Would be either one of those is appropriate. Temper is what I had. Uh, uh, Ten points and no ice cream for you. Okay, there you go. <laughs> my boss, my spouse, and my kids are driving me crazy. There we go. Extra points. Now you're back on. You're back on. Um, hey, by the way, I will tell you this. If you interact with the message really well and you behave and you don't get out of sorts, I'm going to give you free ice cream after the service. I'll tell you more about that at the end of the service. Now think about those statements that we just kind of finished. Because you may not understand this or you may not have connected it. But if you connect the dots to all of those statements, you start to realize that all of those statements are about the speed of your life. It's, it's kind of like the fast and the furious. I mean, think about it. When you're going down the road these days in Lebanon, especially in Lebanon, you've kind of adjusted your mindset that if it says 30 miles per hour, it's actually 45. Am I right? That's what most people are. If it says 45, that means 60. And if it says 60, it means 80, right? I mean, that's exactly. Can I just go ahead and be totally transparent with you this morning? Because yesterday, I mean, it's been a week for me, lots of stuff to do, lots of things to complete. But yesterday, I was on my way to the office to, to finish up some stuff for this morning. And I was behind somebody. I did not curse. But I did say out, I did say out loud, why do I always get behind people who have to do the speed limit? Does anybody ever say that? I mean, it just totally frustrates me that people have to do the speed limit. 
What do you think when you see that road construction sign? Road construction ahead. I don't even pay attention to it. Do you? I mean, it's just one of those things. You're driving down I-40, putting on your makeup, just the women, but driving down I-40, putting on your makeup, eating your Chick-fil-A, sending a text message, talking on the phone. You do all of those things. Why? Because it makes you productive. You call all those things multitasking. Here's the thing I want you to think about. I want you to think about speed. Because when you think about speed, you start to realize that speed is a little intoxicating. I went to Whitsitt Elementary School in Nashville. I think it's still there. And one of the things I loved about going to Whitsitt Elementary was playtime or recreate or what, what did they call that? Recess. Go out, get on that thing that spins around. And what would you say when they got it going? Faster, faster, faster. Because that's what speed does. We want to go faster. We think speed is better. We all feel the need for speed. There's an interesting article that was written by Jay Wall Jasper called The Speed of Life. And here's what he said. He said that if you take the time to go back in time, from Caesar up to the time of Napoleon, that's like 1,800 years. But he tells us in this article that for 1,800 years, all of creation moved, metaphorically speaking, at about the same speed. It was like everybody on the earth was going at like five miles per hour. So for like 1,800 years, mankind moved at like five miles per hour. But then something happened. Late in the 1700s, we experienced this onslaught of change that actually impacted our lives. I mean, think about it. In the early 1800s, that's when we saw the railroads come on the scene. That's when we saw steamships come on the scene. And those things drastically impacted the speed of transportation. So we went from like five miles per hour to like 30 miles per hour. And what you have to realize is that change from going from 5 miles per hour to 30 miles per hour, that change was huge. Now think about this, because these are some things you probably don't even know. In 1898, listen, 1898, there were less than 40 automobiles on the roads of this country. In 1908, 10 years, one decade later, there were 700 factories producing automobiles and at that point the pace of life would never be the same in 1937 dale carnegie publishes the best-selling book how to win friends and influence people that book gives you tips on how to win friendships and manufacture friendships and to be able to do it quicker in 1953, Carl Swanson introduced the TV dinner. In 1960, or during the 1960s, people started saving time on their household chores by using a dishwasher, a washing machine, and a dryer. 
that even though they were saving time on household chores, they were working longer hours and taking longer commutes. In 1973, which seems just like yesterday to me, but in 1973, Federal Express began to quicken the pace in which business could be accomplished because there was a document that absolutely positively had to be there overnight. So they got it from one place to the other overnight. Then in the 1980s, FedEx seemed like this slow-moving turtle after the invention of the fax machine. But in the 1990s, with the wide use of email, the walk down the hall to the fax machine felt like a waste of time. And who could have imagined that a little more than 15 years ago that we would become addicted to our phones that have GPS and video and email and phone? And at the same time, that smartphone that you have in your hand probably right now allows you to work anywhere. And it's that convenience, the convenience of being able, being able to work anytime, anywhere, that has led us to a place where, working, where we are working all the time, everywhere. Again, think about it. For 1,800 years, mankind moves at the same speed, about five miles per hour. But over the last 200 years, the pace of life has gotten faster and faster and faster, so much faster that it's like you and I right now, today, on the 24th day of July in 2022, it's like we're doing life at 200 miles per hour. So it, it just, it, it just kind of made me think, with so many people so displaced, doing so many things, we just need to stop and be honest with ourselves. Because if we are, we will start to understand that faster is not always better. I mean, sometimes faster is better. If you're a lady having a baby, then faster is better. If you're somebody that's sick and you're waiting for an ambulance, then faster is better. But let me ask you a question. When in your life has anything of enduring value ever occurred when you were doing life at 200 miles per hour? Can you think of anything of enduring value that actually occurred in your life when you were doing life at 200 miles per hour? Have you built deep friendships with intimacy and communication where there's closeness with those people and you were moving at 200 miles per hour? I don't think so. Have you ever gotten into the heart and the soul of a son or a daughter or a grandchild moving at 200 miles per hour? Have you ever fostered rich and growing relationships with friends when you were doing life at 200 miles per hour? See, some of you this morning are, are actually questioning the spiritual aspects of life. 
that may be the reason why you're here. You have lots of questions. You're asking lots of questions because you want lots of answers. But I would ask you this. Do you really think that you're going to get the answers to the questions that you have if you're doing life at 200 miles per hour? Maybe this morning you're here and you're already a follower of Jesus. So I would ask you, if you already follow Jesus, you've already committed your life to him, do you actually think that you can hear the whispers of God in your ear? Do you think you can actually feel his guidance and know his convicting work in some area of your life where you know that you need to change? Do you actually think that's going to occur when you're doing life at 200 miles per hour? I mean, think about your life this morning. Think about the richest, deepest experiences in your life. Those experiences that you've had with friends and with family and with God. And I'm going to tell you, when you think about deep, rich experiences that you've had... I'm going to guarantee you that those things happened in your life when you were doing life slowly. But see, here's the thing that happens. The speed of life just just keeps going up and up. And and, and me, just like you, I, I just keep wanting to go faster and faster and faster. And we're running faster. And we're going faster. And here's the thing. As we go faster, you know what we're doing? We're achieving more and we're earning more. But the relational quality with the people in our lives, our relational quality with God, even our physical health keeps going down, down, down as the speed of life goes faster and faster and faster. Let me ask you another question. Have you ever been in your car and you weren't focused on your phone and you were looking at the car in front of you and you saw a bumper sticker and that bumper sticker said, speed kills? Well, that bumper sticker is right. It does. Speed does kill. It kills emotional health. It kills physical health. It kills relational health. And it kills spiritual health. And this morning, I'm going to tell you, if most of us would be honest, honest enough to slow down and reflect on this, then we would be honest to say that this is the very thing that's happening in our own lives. I mean, some of you are the parents of young children. Some of you are the parents of teenagers. Some of you are single parents, and you are so tired and so depleted and so exhausted because you look at your life, and you're going, 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 and there's just not a break for you. 
I mean, some of you in this service, some of you watching online, some of you on vacation are, are looking at the school year that's about to start, and you're thinking, the educational process that I'm involved in, it's like that graduation that I long for, it's just never going to happen. It's like an eternity away. Some of you are in relationships right now that are so much more challenging and so much more than you ever imagined that they would be. And some of you this morning in this auditorium and watching us online are just lonely. I mean, and you could even be in a, a small crowd of people like we have here this morning. And even though you're around other people, you still feel lonely. There are others of you who are involved in lots of things that we do here at Crossroads. You volunteer at different places, but the very things that are designed to help you are hurting you in life. And the reason they're not helping you and they are hurting you is because when you look at your life, listen to me, when you look at your life, you're overcommitted. So what do we do? How do we approach this, what I call the destructive speed of life? When life is out of control and you and I are running at, break, at breakneck speed, how do we find hope? How do we find hope when, when, when the speed of life keeps going, 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 and going? Well, here's what I want to do. I'm going to share with you this morning three words. And these are three words that we've connected to three biblical principles right out of scripture these three words are connected to god's word these are what i would call biblical principles and, and the reason i know about these things is simply because these are the things that i struggle with these are the things that i have struggled with in my life and not only have i struggled with these things i'm still struggling with these things and knowing that I've struggled with these things, these three words and these three biblical principles have been transformative to me. So I thought, you know what, I think they can be transformative to you and to your life as well. So let me give you three words. And they're going to be on the screen behind me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're visiting with us or you don't know, uh, we lost some technology several months ago or a month or so ago, and we couldn't replace it because of the supply chain issues. So we patched it, and we have new stuff coming. It's here. It's going to be in installed. Uh, we're making leaps and bounds progress. We had no screens, no words, no nothing for a few weeks. So, you know, you kind of get spoiled, but we kind of went old school. And like Lori said, we went to church camp, you know what I'm saying, where we had to kind of know it and we sang the things we know. But anyway, it's going to be on the screen today. Let's just all hold our breath. Here's the very first word. The first word is this. It's rhythm. The second word is refresh. And the third word is refuel. The first word, rhythm, is, is all about adopting God's rhythm for life. The second word was refresh. So, so we need to find things. We need to find people that will refresh us. And the third word was refuel. We need to move into places 
or environments that will refuel our soul. So let's, let's start with the rhythm, the word rhythm, because the Bible tells us that we were made in the image of God and that, that that's the very thing that we find that from the very beginning of time, we don't see God working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. From the very beginning, we see it in Scripture, in the story of creation, God established this kind of rhythm to life. From the very beginning, God intended for life, your life, to have this period of, of engagement and then withdrawal. There's work, and then there's rest. There's effort, and then there's ease. So much so that God built it into the Ten Commandments as a principle. So I want you to follow along as I read from Exodus chapter 20, starting at verse 8. Here's what it says. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days a week I have set apart for your daily duties and regular work. But the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household shall do any kind of work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them. Then he rested on the seventh day. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. From the very beginning, God established a rhythm to our lives. God worked for six days to create the world. Now think about this. But after six days, God was not finished creating. So he cre after he created the sixth day, God created the seventh day, which became a day of rest. And then the rhythm began. Now think about this. Many years later, when the Israelites were out in the wilderness, God took this principle and gave it to them to set aside the seventh day as a holy day. He told them every other day you get up and you would gather manna and there would be enough food or enough manna for that day. But on the sixth day, he told the Israelites, gather enough for that day and the next day so that they would not have to gather manna on the seventh day. And that seventh day could actually be a day of rest. I mean, even Jesus himself, who was God in the flesh, took this rhythm and he applied the rhythm to his own life. Every seven days, Jesus would take a rest, and when he did, Jesus never felt guilty about it. That's what God tells you. Come on. God says six days you can work, six days you can run, you can labor, you can get all the things done that you need to do, but God says to you that the seventh day is not yours, it's his. It belongs to him. You rest on the seventh day, and you remember that you have a soul and that God loves you. On the seventh day, you stop and you remember the reason why God has put you on this earth. And you remember that there is more to life than just working. Now, I'm going to say something here in just a moment 
to you guys and those watching and listening online that's going to surprise you. Because if you're one of those type A personalities like me, then this is probably going to alarm you. This actually is going to kind of tick off the high-achieving people in the room because they're the people right now who are listening to me and they're on their phone trying to do a business deal. I know I, know I can see some of your phones in your faces, okay? Now, you may be saying, oh, well, I'm actually following the Scripture. Yeah, whatever, okay? I hear you there. <laughs> but let me, get, let, let me put this on the screen behind you because I'm going to give you the greatest sin at Crossroads Church, and here it is. Look, look at the screen behind me. The greatest sin right now in this church is unbalanced living. That's the greatest sin. It's absolutely what I believe is true. See, I don't believe that there are many, I don't believe there's anybody in here who is embezzling millions of dollars from your employer. I don't believe that. I don't believe right now that there are any mass murderers here. And if you are, and if you try anything on me, we got people who will take you down, okay? I don't believe any of you in this room or any of you watching are terrorists. But I do believe that unbalanced living may be the greatest sin committed in this church. And let me tell you why. It's because most of us are living what I call an unbalanced life. And you wonder, well, why is that such a big deal to God? I'll tell you. Because when your life is out of balance, people look worse to you. The problems that you're confronted with look impossible. When your life is out of balance and you're tired, the phone calls that you need to make and the emails that you return look like major obstacles. And because they're obstacles, you try to avoid those. Let me tell you this. Listen, listen to what I'm saying. When you're exhausted and your life is out of balance, that's when secret sins start to become inviting to you. And they appeal to you. And when you're living outside of God's design's rhythm, that's when you don't have time for God in your life. So God develops this rhythm. And he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build into this week a mini vacation every seven days. You need to keep your bodies and souls in peak operating condition. You need to give your body and your soul time to recuperate. You need to give it time to be restored when you take a day of rest it restores you for the upcoming week. Because when you take a day of rest every seven days, the problems that you have, those problems that you were blowing out of proportion, they start to get right size. They start to get smaller. When you take a day of rest, you allow your emotions to start to replenish. And most of all, you enjoy the example and the very presence of God himself when you take a day of rest. Now, let me tell you this morning, I don't care who you are. 
Every one of us needs a day of rest every seven days. And I'll tell you this morning, because this may kind of take some of you off guard, the specific day that you take as a day of rest really doesn't matter, because here's the thing, every day belongs to God, right? Every day belongs to Him. So maybe for you it's not Sunday, maybe for you it's Saturday. Or maybe for you, like me, it's Monday. Maybe you have a really crazy work schedule, and the day of rest that you need to take is actually on Tuesday. Figure out what the day is and take a day of rest because, hear me, there are consequences from not resting. See, I know that some of you are like me, and you work all the time. And like me, you wear working all the time as a badge of honor. And when you do that, you're not honoring the very thing that God wants for you. And I want you to hear me. I struggle with this. But I am now at a place in my life where I do this more than I have ever done it. And the reason I do it is this, this, listen, listen. I have come to the place where I realize that if I don't quiet my body and my soul, then I don't get restored because every other day of my week is what I call people intensive. I need a day to withdraw. I need a day to go to the mall. I need a day to go to J. Crew. And here's the thing I understand. I have to protect that day. And you have to protect your day. Because you need to understand, whatever day you choose in your life, every seven days, there's nobody else that's going to protect that day for you. I have to protect my day, and you have to protect your day. This is an area of our life where we have to practice some self-leadership. So the question I'm asking you this morning is, do you trust that God can do that in your life? Do you trust God enough to do this? How much do you trust God? Are you committed and convinced that a rested, replenished, restored, renewed, refueled you every seven days can accomplish more in six days than a wiped out, depleted version of you could accomplish in seven days? Do you think you could accomplish doing more your way or more God's way? So to be at your best, it's all about rhythm. It's about adopting God's rhythm for your life. Now, the second word that I showed you a while ago was the word refresh. We need to find things to refresh us. I, I want to throw out to you something this morning that used to really disturb me. Because I used to think if God is all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipotent, if God knows and sees everything, and God never sleeps and God never gets tired, 
then why did God have to rest on the seventh day? I mean, think about that. Was God tired? Was God saying, whew, what a week, man, I've had a week. I mean, did God say, man, it's been 40 hours, I'm, I'm done? I mean, why would God have to rest on the seventh day? Because we all know that the Bible tells us that God doesn't get tired. So if God doesn't get tired, there must be something more than just restoring sore bones and sore muscles. And I want to give you some insight that's actually found in Exodus 31, verse 17. Again, look at the screen behind me, and you'll see the, screen, you'll see the Scripture there. It says this, verse 17. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and he rested on the seventh day. And look at what it says. Look at the word. And he was refreshed. Notice the word refreshed. Because even if you're not physically tired, you need a time to get out of your routine so that you can be refreshed. That's why we all need some recreational activity because it is recreational activity that actually refreshes you. I mean, think about the word recreation. You see in that word, recreate. Those things that you do as a hobby or as recreation, those are things that recreate energy in you. So all of us in this room, all of you watching online, we need pastimes, we need hobbies, we need sports more than we know because those are the things that breathe life into us. Those are the things that remind you how incredibly good God actually is. And, and for some of you, it's, it's a sport. For some of you, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's volleyball, it's baseball, it's, it's, it's golf. For some of you, it's sitting in the pool. For some of you, it's going to the beach and just listening to the waves as they crash on the shore. But you need to be just like God. All of us need a time of refreshing. And I heard somebody put it this way, and I think I've told you guys this before, but this is what they said. They said about their life that they depart daily, rest weekly, and abandon annually. Rest, uh, depart daily, rest weekly, and abandon annually. I think it was Shakespeare who said this, better to have loafed and lost than not have loafed at all. There needs, to be some, there needs to be some loafing in your life. Adopt God's rhythm to your life. Find things to refresh you. And the third word that we looked at just a moment ago was the word refuel. Move into areas of life that refuel your soul. Let me show you one of the most familiar verses in Scripture. And I'm going to tell you, if you came in here this morning and this is the first time you've been to church or you don't even know anything about the Bible, this is a verse that you know. And here it is. It's the 23rd Psalm. Here's what it says. Look, look at the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. 
You see, God doesn't want you to slow down and just do nothing. There, let me Listen, there are times to do nothing. But you've got to be intentional about putting yourself in those places of green pastures. You've got to be intentional about being beside still waters. You have to be intentional about putting yourself in an environment that will actually refuel your soul. Now, notice what it says, that he leads me beside quiet waters and he refreshes my soul. Luke 4 says that it was Jesus' custom to go to the local synagogue every week. Why would Jesus go to the local synagogue every week? I'll tell you why. Because it refreshed his soul. I mean, think about it. Jesus had a group of 12 guys who he traveled with, ate with, did life with. They hung out together. They prayed together. And why did they do it all together? They did it together because it built their soul. That's the very reason why it says this in Hebrews 10, 25. Look at Hebrews 10, verse 25. It says, let us not give up meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing. That's what COVID has done. Am I right? People have totally got out of the habit. Can I just, can I just dissect and stop right here? Because one of the things that I have heard more often than not about Sunday now that people have, you know, we didn't come to church for a few months because that's what they ask us not to do, to slow the spread. But now people are saying, I have discovered that Sunday is mine. It's my time. I'm going to do with it what I want to do. And so they have forsaken and decided, I'm not going to come to church. But the writer in Hebrews says this, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I'm just going to tell you this morning, most of the time when I get a chance to be out of this stage or off this stage or out of this building on a Sunday morning, and I, and I, I can't even tell you the last time that has happened. But I will tell you this, when I get an opportunity and I don't have to be here on a Sunday morning, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to church somewhere else. Not in this town, though. I'll go to Nashville or I'll go to Murfreesboro or I'll go somewhere else. I'm going to go to town somewhere. I'm going to go to church somewhere else. You know why I want to go to church somewhere else? Because when I go to church somewhere else, you know what I get to be? I get to be a regular person. I just get to be a regular person. Rest alone is not going to restore my soul. I just know that I need to be in an, in an environment like this. I need to be around people who breathe. People in this kind of environment refuel my soul. Because rest alone will not accomplish that. It's, it's the very reason why I have never understood how some people will say that they follow Jesus. And that they're, they're pursuing a spiritual life path with him. But at the very same time, they're casual about coming into environments like this. 
many, many times people will say, well, the church isn't the building anyway. But friends, listen to me. It's environments like this. These are the environments where the Holy Spirit challenges us and convicts us and changes us. And let me tell you, it happens on a regular basis. These are the environments where our empty souls get replenished. This is the environment where we sense God's presence and His power and His love. This is the environment that forces us to deal with the questions and the issues that no one else in our life is forcing us to deal with. You know, I have people say to me quite often, Randy, I feel closer to God when I'm just out in nature. I feel closer to God. I, I hear this a lot. I feel closer to God when I'm out on the golf course. And you know what? I understand that. I understand how somebody can feel closer to God on the golf course because I know how you're praying when you're on the golf course. Lord, help me make this putt. Lord, help me make this drive. Lord, help me get this out of the bunker. So I know how you can feel closer to God on the golf course. But can I just take a minute and say something? It seems that not a weekend goes by that somebody doesn't walk up to me or somebody doesn't call me or, or send me an email after Sunday and say, Randy, you know, I wasn't even going to come to church on Sunday. But I got up and my wife and I had been fighting all week. My, 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 my life had been a living hell this past week because my, my, my wife and I were fighting or my boss was giving me heck. But, but, you know, I wasn't even going to come to church. But for some reason, I got up and I came. And, Randy, I'm glad that I did. And you know why people are glad they come to church? Because this is the place that God meets us. God meets us when we intentionally put ourselves together in this type of soul-building, refueling environment. So I just want to say, when it comes to Sunday morning, and when it comes to environments like this, be intentional, be regular. Because I'm going to show you something visually that you may not understand. You see, oftentimes, you come into an environment like this with a heart that looks like that. You come into this environment with a heart that's small. But what happens is this. When you come into an environment that refuels you, that heart starts to grow. And it starts looking like that. Because this is the environment that refuels you. But when you're moving too fast, when you're doing life at 200 miles per hour, I'm going to tell you, this is what you're going to experience. You're going to experience what I call shrunken heart syndrome. And you have to make the decision, do you want to live with a soul that's like this? 
Or do you want to live with a soul that's like that? Because, see, I know some of you. And right now, you're accomplishing more in life than you've ever accomplished. You're running harder and making things happen. You're hitting home runs from daylight to dark. But in all that you're doing, you don't stop to think about God. And you don't stop to think about your own soul. You're going so fast, kids. Listen, listen to me this morning. You don't even know your own kids. You don't know your own family because you're running life at 200 miles per hour. And yes, you're successful. And yes, you're affluent. And yes, you're highly thought of and you're secure. And yes, you can take your American Express platinum card out and you can go and you can eat at the finest restaurant. And this afternoon after church, you can go somewhere and you can play on the, the, the best golf course. And you can take trips to the most exotic places in all of the world. And you're a commerce machine that can do deals in your sleep. But your soul feels spiritually dead. So for you, let me just give you the bottom line. It's speed versus soul for you. It's speed versus soul. You can't keep the pedal to the metal. You can't keep doing life at 200 miles per hour without losing touch of, with your own soul. And here's the truth. Some of you are going so fast right now that you don't even have time for the God who made you. You don't have time for the God who loves you. You don't have time for the God who gave his only son for you. And the biggest spiritual roadblock in your life is not badness. It's busyness. You can't keep the pedal to the metal and stay fully connected to God and with others simply because the speed of your life and let me tell you speed is going to win every time so if you want that area of your life if you want your soul to grow then you have to slow down and you have to adopt God's rhythm you have to move yourself into areas of life that refresh you. You have to find people or places that refuel you. So you don't need another better smartphone. You don't need another management seminar. Because those things won't even make a dent. That's not what we're talking about. That's not the problem. It's speed versus soul. And you have to decide. Because nothing of enduring value happens when you're doing life at 200 miles per hour. And today I believe God has brought some of you here because God is trying to say to you, I need you to slow down. God is waiting for you to look his way.
And he wants to refuel you through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to do right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed, all across this room, nobody looking around. I just want us to take our foot off the accelerator to practice what we're talking about. Slow the RPMs of your life way down. And be still and quiet in the presence of God. God, we're so thankful this morning that we have the opportunity to look at these biblical principles, to understand that there is a rhythm to life, that, God, that you want to refresh us and to refuel us, and that nothing of enduring value can be accomplished when we're trying to do life at 200 miles per hour. And you knew this was going to happen. You knew on July 20, uh, 24th of 2022 that you would assemble this group of people and this message would be spoken to them because many of them needed to hear it. God, we ask you this morning to quiet us, to let us be still in your presence, to let the Holy Spirit give us the power that we need to do life in six days and let us set aside that seventh day as a day of rest to remember that you love us and that you care for us and that you sent your only son, Jesus, for us. God, do in our lives what only you can do as we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and worship with us?
this up all hail King Jesus and all hail King Jesus all hail the Lord of heaven and earth all hail King Jesus all hail the Savior 